Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Um, we are we're venturing into the unknown. Well, we're, we're we're trying to you know the whole podcast has been about pretty much lifting yourself up by the bootstraps, which if you ever tried doing that, it's very difficult without jumping. Um, but we're doing this as best we can right now, and uh, unfortunately, with Denver the way it is with the COVID, um, D's not here with us today, but he's going to be picking up and making a. Making good on all the mistakes we're surely going to make on this recording. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I uh, we just had a false start, and the uh, you ever hear the phrase "stay in your lane"? Yeah, <laughs> I am. Uh, I consider myself a, a pretty talented uh, bicycle industry worker, but when it comes to uh, recording stuff, uh, I forgot to take something, and we just had to start all the way over. But we're here, and we're back, and we're into our third season of this podcast. Um, but yeah, we are starting the third season and, uh, this is going to be a little bit messy guys. You're just going to have to bear with us. (laughs) Uh, we're going to have fun. We're going to still churn out some good content for you guys. Um, just these first few without, uh, without any, uh, recording help from our, our, our trusted, uh, recording engineer D is just going to be a a little funky, but we'll get through it. Um, so you know what, man, it's, uh, it's weird sometimes how we see each other every week right yeah like many times a week but like recently i was like man i haven't hung out with justin in a hot minute you know i feel like that's been a trend for 2020 like you've said that before as we open up podcast episodes you've said that a few times this year and it's just because you've been hair on fire yeah but at i feel like at a certain point like it's not busy right now yeah like, uh, like I brought up Pueblo tomorrow and you're kind of thinking about how you can maybe make that work. I am. I, I can't, <laughs> um, as cool as it would be <laughs> like, uh, I, I forced, uh, my, my lead mechanic, Mo, um, uh, much to his chagrin, uh, I forced him to take the rest of the, the year off. I, I was like, I, I, I don't want to see you until after the first of the year. Dang. Um, and he was able to swallow that. No. I forced it down his throat. <laughs> well, because base camp's kind of like it's his workspace, but it's also his kid's school. It is, but his kid. The the whole reason I, I kind of forced the issue was that uh, his kids are out of school right now. Uh, he's got the. I think today starts winter break. Right. And uh, as a as a, a thank you for you know killing it this year and working way more than I think he had gone into 2020 thinking i was like you know a couple of weeks paid time off like like you know go hang out with your kids dude that's awesome um but he, he i don't think he deals well with downtime <laughs> like, well you know i uh we were just talking about this actually there was a news article i just saw a news a news segment that i just saw about a guy who came back out of retirement and he was filling up the oxygen tanks at one of the local hospitals here and he was he was not able to do it during COVID and he lost his mind and it was only, it was a volunteer job, but idle time for, especially like, you know, not Mo's older than you and I, and that generation of people like idle time is not what they look forward to. No. 
which is crazy because people now in their 20s, like all they want is time, you know, to explore their inner them, you know, (laughs) or whatever. Well, I think I, I actually have to kind of commend that mentality. Like, you don't have to feel, even my wife, who's just a couple of years older than me, still has that, like, she doesn't seek out ways to maximize her downtime. She just seeks to fill her downtime with more work. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I seek to work hard for a certain amount of time so that I may recreate further. <laughs> no, yeah, I hear you. But I think that you don't see yourself for yourself because you're recreating. You do it at a pretty high level. Sure. No, you know I, what I mean? No, like, no, no. Like when's the last time you sat on a couch and just – Ended up uh, without a plan. Now I know you sit on the couch and you have a very clear plan. <laughs> Fucking gamer, you know. What was it? You invited me to do something really cool, and I was like, yeah, "No, dude, no." A new video game came out. I took the day off, and I'm locked down. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like we're literally going to jump out of helicopters with mountain bikes onto the top of like yeah. the Alps. You're like, "No, dude!" Like this game. I've been waiting for this game. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, there's only one person on. The, in the no ride around community that I think really gets it. And I was very glad to find out that Chad is also a gamer. And although he is, it seems he's definitely like stepped away from video games. He at least could appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I think he was trying to, I think he dug on you yesterday without it being so overt. He's mm-hmm. cause you know, such a nice guy. No, I, I knew what he was saying. He dug a little bit. Cause you're like, Hey guys, trainer road group ride. And he's like, yeah, um, it's I'm going to outside, outside, bro. It's yeah. 50. No, and and I think what I didn't convey accurately was just like, hey, I have a bunch of shit to do, and I have a block of time for bikes today, and you know the the trainer road thing is, I mean, it's an extremely efficient use of time. Yeah, you know the thing with riding outside right now, and uh, as a matter of fact, today as we sit here recording, you know, we met at one o'clock today, and we have about from one to four blocked, and. That's about the only time you can ride outside. Yeah. Because it takes till one for everything to get warmed up. And then at four, you, you better be done. Like, I mean, I finished my ride up yesterday just before four. And I was like, man, if I was 30 minutes longer, you'd finish cold. And sometimes you finish a cold ride in the winter. You can take a, you can take a shower all you want. You just stay hot, stay cold the oh, rest yeah. of the night. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you uh, just because it's cold doesn't mean that you're not actively seeking adventure. <laughs> I think my wife said the other day to we were we were having dinner with a big group of friends. Oops, I mean we were having dinner with yeah, less than five people. A in very the same small circle. group of people socially. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> and she goes, "Yeah, I overheard. I don't even know what she had been really talking about, but I overheard her saying to another one of our friends, oh yeah, he's just been chasing the sun.' Yeah, and she's right. I, she nailed it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so your most recent adventure, I was actually supposed to be along for life got in the way in a bad way on that one in a bad way, like the day before. Yeah. Uh, but you know, adults, you were adulted hard. It's just like the, like peak adult, like what's cooler than flying to, to Arizona to go play mountain bikes, signing loan documents. (laughs) I know, but (laughs) it's over. It's done. It was, it was, it was one of those things where like, if it was even remotely negotiable, obviously I would have blown off that thing but there's there's a couple of moments where it's just like no this makes a pretty big difference yeah no i um when you had called me and said you're not going to make the trip i'm like okay come on now there's there's always a workaround like i'm the king of the workaround right there's always a workaround but the fact that you were willingly calling to bone out on the mountain bike trip to arizona (sighs) that was already all set i'm like 
he's either gone through all the workarounds already and there isn't one, or this is like important enough that he's already made that call. I'm like, I'm out. Like, cool. Yeah. And, and, and to your credit, I mean, when I realized I had to make that phone call, I like, I don't, I don't like to disappoint people. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you did a really good job of keeping the disappointment out of your voice, but it was still there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, uh, which I, 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 it warm, you know, even though I was having to disappoint you and let you down and not go do something cool. Um, the fact that you were disappointed, like was also a little bit of heartwarming. Cause it's like, Oh, like he, he really wanted me. He wasn't just like, yeah, whatever. Come along. I don't care if you do, if you don't like, you know, no, so. it was going to be, I was, I was looking forward to it for a few reasons. And, and like you just said, when we opened the episode, like sitting and just kicking it. Yeah. I'll tell you, racing bikes is cool. Um, and we were talking a bit about this just a few days ago, you know, not everything's about the race and the podium and a lot of it's about the adventure. We need to spend some more time on the event. The truth is that's what I like the most about bike racing is the adventure. The, For sure. The travel to and the, you know, just sitting in the middle of the desert, there ain't, there's nothing to do. Like your battery power is pretty sacred because you're running off of solar. <laughs> so you're not sitting there trolling the, the webs the whole time. You're literally just sitting in the desert kicking it. And that's, you know, that was going to be the most amount of fun. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it worked out the way it worked out. Yeah. Um, it, now that you bring up the adventure thing, it was funny because, um, you know, we asked some of the team members for for some uh, some podcast ideas. Um, not ideas so much as just like things that they would like to hear covered. Um, and uh, Victor felt a little attacked uh, just because he's like, yo, like, what about like the passion behind this? What about like the non racing shit? Um, and you know, the racing stuff is fun and especially in a year worth no racing to like kind of rally around that, that really unifying thing. It was cool. Um, but yeah, the, I was just like, man, you know, we, we, we did, did definitely get a little bit away from just like passion and adventure. Um, you know, I think that if you jumped into our season one or season two, and you jumped into it and maybe snagged an episode that we covered a lot of races that were that were being done or whatever. It may sound that way. But remember, like we didn't start racing bikes. We were just riding bikes. And then you ride them more and you ride them more and just things evolve. And so I think even when you have the raciest of race nerd, now not maybe not like the kids in their teens and twenties that it's just pure race, but when you're talking to people in their, you know, thirties and forties and fifties that race bikes. They're doing it because their passion is so wild for the sport that they've got to that level, you know? For sure. Um, Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's a mutually exclusive thing. And let's keep it real, Victor, Mr. V-Rod, okay? (laughs) You moved your whole family to Tucson this winter just so you could ride bikes every day. (laughs) (laughs) And isn't isn't he eventually landing in Grand Junction? Oh, dude, they're they're building a house right up against the National Monument. Yeah. Because Grand Junction has stable riding all year. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Uh, uh, but his family's all for it, too, and his kid's awesome. They Both both those kids are on bikes. And yeah, so. no, it's super cool. But, yeah, no, so speaking of... So that's, you, you went know, and took an adventure. Yeah, took an adventure, went down to Arizona and uh, raced Dawn to Dusk again, raced that last year with Andy Chamberlain, raced it this year now with Victor, and we did the two-man duo. And uh, same venue, same track. You know, everything about the event was the same. Uh, I ended up talking with the race director during the event. Uh, had some timing discrepancies. Yeah, so you were. It was hilarious because, like, 
the race is on a Saturday, as most races are, and I'm at work, and Justin sends to the the whole group, the whole race team, the the tracking, the live tracking update info. But then I'm getting separate updates <laughs> via text <laughs> message and email with like you know just blurbs about race timing. There was one email that seemed semi manic, like race, like timing math. Yeah, <laughs> so I sent it to you because I wanted I sent it to you and to uh, Derek as yeah. copies, only because I knew that you guys would be able to check my math for me. Yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, from out of the gate, so they had to do a, a stage start this year. Last year was a mass start, and obviously they did stage this year. And so we started at seven oh eight a.m. and I took off on the first lap, and it's right at dawn. I mean, you roll up to the start line, and it's still like like dark. And in a matter of ten minutes, fortunately enough first light comes up that you can race. So I take off It's 7.08 and I come through the finish line and it's 8.05. So I go, okay, I start at 7.08, came in at 8.05. It seems like a pretty simple first lap time, you know, of under an hour, right? You know, whatever the math comes out to be on that. What is that? 57 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So I go through, we don't show up. So I'm checking, you know, after each lap, it's the the teammate's responsibility to check, see where you're at, and then you can leave the next person, hey, we're 30 seconds behind, we're two minutes ahead, or whatever it is, right? So we can be on the same page. Because when you're racing duo, you don't get to communicate until like, Until you go to the, the transition area. No, and you don't talk. So like when we come across the timing mat, like I come across the timing mat, Victor's in the stable waiting. As soon as I cross that timing mat, he takes off. So there's no communication um, in between laps. So it's all done... You know, last year we did with a notepad. This year we just were texting one another. And so first lap goes through, we don't show up. Victor comes through again, we don't show up. I come through again, we don't show up. So we're literally just not even on. <laughs> you're just, you're just going and guessing. And, <clears throat> and I'm like, I'm, we're, we're smashing. So like when uh, we start, And, of course, at, you have your GPS time in front of you. Right. And when I come through the finish line every time, there's a big clock. Right. So it tells you like raw time what it is. So that's how I knew the first lap was, you know, 58 minutes. Not to mention I passed everybody. Like when we started at 7.08, Victor screams, Victor screams, go, no ride around or no ride or something like that. And I get out of the saddle and I just tear off like a bat out of hell for a few reasons. One, I, uh, I rolled to the start line and I hadn't, I, I pulled my, my computer was on, but I hadn't synced my power meter to that computer the day before I pre-rode with just Strava on my phone. And then the rides before that were done with a different bike here in Denver. So my power meter wasn't linked. So I'm at the start line. I'm trying to link my power meter. And it's a setting on your computer. But my computer keeps grabbing everyone else's power meters around me. And so I'm like trying to wheel back a few feet and wheel forward a few feet. So I'm kind of like canoodling with my computer trying to get it to 17092. That's like the idea I need for my power meter. (laughs) And it won't come up. And so I'm I'm just messing. And as I'm messing with it, one guy to my right says to a guy to my left. So talking across me. And uh, he goes something like, you know, whatever the guy's name was, Mark or something. Mark, get up here. Get up to the front, man. You're going to be leading us out there anyway. That was the comment made. And I was like, no. Oh, you are. Are you, Mark? <laughs> okay. So as soon I as know, the, I know your name now, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Race starts. I take off like I'm shot out of a cannon. And for the first four miles, you're on pavement and then ducks into the, the actual course. And so I'm hammering, I'm looking down, and, and I did. I, I wheeled a forward a few feet and was able to sink my power meter. Literally, as they're saying, five, four, three, they're counting down, and my sinks. I'm like, oh, thank God, and hit play. And I'm looking down, and I'm over 400 watts for the first, like, 12 minutes, just oh. in it, 
like in my throat. The worst VO2 max oh, ever. Yeah, I'm I just <laughs> cranking. And I remember I did this last year on a single speed, so everything was faster this year. And so I was I was taking advantage of it because I'm like, oh man, last year I would have been spending 100 RPM. I'm like, so I was always gearing up and I was just, I was cranking. So I passed the people that started before us at 706 and 704. And, and yeah, so we come through and we don't show up. We don't show up for three laps. And finally talking to the race director, I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And he goes, hey, to be honest with you, dude, um, and he's, he's, his name's Seth. He's super cool. Zia Rides, cool organization. He goes, we, we haven't got to do an event all year. So this is our first event since this one last year. We're a little rusty. <laughs> and I'm like, fair enough. But uh, Rusty ended up having messed up times for the better part of the race. And so I was doing all kinds of reverse math, and that's why I got that email. Well, but and then even, you know, because I was watching it throughout the day, and uh, it even, like, I looked at it the next day for some reason. Maybe, I've, maybe I just still had the, the window open or whatever. Um, but even, it looked like all the times changed, like, overnight while they were still, like, resolving timing stuff. Yeah, it was. And then when it changed, it gave Victor, like, really long lap times. And you, like, and me, way like, shorter. Yeah, like, blistering. Like, like no one's going to do 49 <laughs> minutes, right? Like, just... <laughs> Crazy, like Nino Scherter's not doing 49 minutes, right. okay? Yeah. It is nuts. Yeah. And um, and I think the reason that happened was I was pretty persistent, and there was one girl in charge of the timing thing, and I'd been, you know, they'd ask you to email. So I was emailing her, and I'm like, screw this, put a mask up, and I'm just talking to her. She's like, yeah, explain to me what you're saying. And so we do all the backwards math, and I go, see how it's 58 or 57 minutes? And she goes, yeah, I see how it should be. Let me check with the timing thing. And then she does that, and then comes back with some crazy number that – even like George W. Bush math wouldn't even make She's like, this doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, so I'm trying to tell you. I, I go, why don't you just kind of like just manually type in, it was, you know, 57 minutes. Right. So I think she did some back of napkin thing to make it all the totals be right, but she jacked everything up. Awesome. So in, in historical data, Victor looks like the slowest man out there. And I look like I'm just got batteries on my legs looks like you need to be getting paid to do this but uh but we did have fast laps like we had yeah. real fast laps and, and the total time was right and we knew the team that got first place so we got second uh the team that got first place started four minutes ahead of us so they started at the 704 wave so we were always behind them a bit i i caught and passed them in lap three and then we they had passed victor on the next lap and we they we were all they were always like just ahead of us um Anyhow, so we didn't see them on, on course. But I knew when I came through on my last lap that I, Victor needed an hour, you know, to get another lap in, give or take, you know, take actually a little over an hour. And when I came through, there was only 55 minutes left on our clock to get to 7.08 p.m. And it wasn't going to be possible to get a whole other to get a 55 minute lap in that would have been, been as fast as lap by like seven minutes and in, at night. Right. So the other team was sitting there. And they were uh, for Rooster Racing is their sponsor of the racing team, but their name was uh, called Cockatoo. And uh, we come through, and I'm like pretty jacked up because I just I did pin like my last lap was you know still under an hour, so I did pin just a you know that's almost 17 mile an hour average pace. And I come cruising through, and I'm all jacked up. I'm like Victor, you could yeah probably not going to be able to do this. And the team was sitting right there just in case he went out, they were going to go, you know. Yeah. And I go, you two guys. And they're like, oh, man, you were right there. I'm like, dude, we literally like within a minute for this. I, go, I haven't spent a day chasing cock like this in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> and they all nice. just lost it. I like it. 
That's but it was stuff. great, man. It was what, what a way to finish 2020. Yeah. Um, Did you hit another 12 and 12? So that was what Victor's last stop would have needed to be. No, no, no. Uh, 12 races in 12 oh, months. Oh, yeah. 12 races, 12. Matter of fact, I counted all of my number plates on the wall last night, and I hit 16 events, but some of those were ours. So right? you know what? I'm not, not going to even put an asterisk next to it. No, 16 events. Yeah. In 2020. Yeah, I was hanging uh, all my number plates from this year. And, I, you know, we had the HRCAs. We had the Rattlers. We had – that was that was it. <laughs> but still, I was hanging hanging number plates. And I, I put my, my Rogue Race number plates up just as proudly as I, I did anything else. Well, ultimately, you know, you said this in our first season, that a race is just simply riding with a number plate on your bike. Yep. But it's also riding your hardest. Yeah. Right, that's the purpose of of races and any any athlete's schedule at this level. Right, when you're not being paid or you're not you know you're not going to the Olympics, um, the the races are just hey, I want to go out and do the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I, I I chuckled because um, I was going through some old Laruda stuff, and there were some features on on Lance. And I actually just finished Win at All Costs, which is a book by Matt Hart. Which is about a doping scandal involving the Nike professional running, the oh, Nike Oregon yeah, project. You, you, you had mentioned that amazing story, but they had a lot of stuff with Lance in there as well because it was during his doping scandal. It was all the same time frame, and he's always quoted as saying every race he does, he always quoted as saying like, "Man, I've done, I've done the tour so many times. I've done all these, ro- and this is the hardest race I've ever done." And he does that a lot with unique events, whether it be mountain bike events or things like that. He's quoted saying that yeah. all the time. I mean, he said that about Laruda, right? Yeah. I think he says it after every single race because that isn't the tour. <laughs> but, well, yeah, right. Well, you know, the drugs had a lot to do with. It. <laughs> but he says it after every race, and I and I used to be like, man, that's kind of cheesy. But every race should be your hardest race you've ever done. Right. If you're progressing, you will have raced as hard as you you've ridden your bike as hard as you ever could in that moment. And if you're progressing, that means it's the hardest you've ever done. Yeah, it makes sense. I agree, and and it also ties directly into my philosophy that whether it was a 10 mile or a six day, like they all carry the same weight and the same reward and the same feeling. Yeah. They, there, there's no such thing as an easy race. And if there is, if there is you didn't race. Right. No, no, for sure. And you know, we've got, there's people in the race community. There's people that we ride with consistently that they downplay their, they downplay the importance of the race to them. Oh, mm. I'm just going to go out and see how I do. Yeah. Really, if that was the case, you wouldn't have paid 50 bucks and put the number plate. You know, you totally. wouldn't have subjected yourself to a public ranking, right? Yeah. You know, if, if you were just going to, oh, I'll just go out and see what I do. You know, when you, you only say that because you're trying to disarm the other person or lower their expectation of you. Or deflect some responsibility off of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't say that in a negative way, but no. like if you, and, and you know, sometimes... Uh, that that sounded more negative than I meant it to sound, um, but you know, there's been a lot of talk about like choking in a race, and sometimes if you mentally allow yourself to bring down the importance of it, you could potentially do better. You know, yeah. like while you're on the start line, yeah, like in that moment, yeah. like mentally, like I'm out here to have fun, I just want to have a good time. It kind of pulls some of that pressure back so that you can then focus on performing. Yeah, no, it lets you race free. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I think in, in, we actually have a question that was submitted to us. We'll cover this, you know, in a future episode. But the thing is you've done – however you're going to do on race day, that has already been decided on all of the preparation you have done. Yeah, the weeks and months before that. You know, and so – 
to get worked up in the moment. And that happens to me. I sit at a start line and, and I'll get so keyed up on like maybe who's there or haven't ever beat this person before or man, I barely just beat this person last time. And so I can get my own, my own self worked. I get butterflies at every single race. And then the second it is go, they all go away. Um, you, I've gotten better at just reminding myself when I'm at the start line, like, no, you know how to do this, bro. You know, not <laughs> so, necessarily yeah. like, not ego confidence where you're like, you're going to win, but no, like, you know how to do this, dude. Like, this is nothing to get worked up about. It's going to start and you're going to go this way. You're going to turn left and you're going to go right. And yeah. you know, you know what how to do. mountain bike. Just and go. it circles back around to a race is just a mountain bike ride with your number plate on. Like, it's, as hard as you can go. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's not, it's, it, it doesn't have to be as pressure filled. Anyway. Um, that went on a wild tangent. Yeah, we just <laughs> hopefully uh, somebody got some. <laughs> I know. I just like I hope somebody sees some value there. Um, well, this episode is most likely going to air after the first of the year. Um, so this is probably kind of a, a a cool opportunity. I think you and I both have our the important the A's and the B's uh, A and B races fleshed out for the year. Um, yours is vomit inducing. <laughs> um, we'll start with yours. You, so 2021, 2021. Um, so you ever heard the phrase fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. Um, what's the fool me third time thing? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Go, go okay. give go give yourself a swirly. <laughs> um, I, I only got fooled twice. Um, so I, I signed up for old man winner. Yep. And in the moment that I signed up for it, I have often been heard quoting, if the entry fee is what's keeping you from doing a race, it was never about the entry fee. You probably weren't going to do the race. And so um, I gave Josh at uh, Old Man Winter the benefit of the doubt and plunked down my money. And I did buy the insurance, though. Um, it seemed like a worthy $7. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you a thumbs up on that purchase. Um, but, uh, so I signed up for old man winter and originally it was going to happen on Valentine's day, which was going to be a whole nother potential argument, but I figured I'd be done by done and home by like three, which would leave time for, you know, a hallmark dinner, um, that we would just pick up from somewhere anyway. Cause restaurants probably still won't be open. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I, I put my money down, and it was, and I and I didn't care. Uh, I put my money down, knowing full well that it was probably going to cancel uh, or be some modified version of what I signed up for on the day. Um, it didn't take very long for <laughs> for it to get changed, uh, and now the race is spread out over nine days. Um, I'm still just as excited to do it. Um, anybody wants to know my opinions on. All the details you can ask me separately because I'm not going to give those guys a whole nother episode worth of ranting. Uh, but uh, just know that I've got opinions and I did not push for a refund so that I could retain those opinions and air them publicly as a paying customer. <laughs> After the event, we'll see, how, we'll see yeah. what they did, how, yeah, we'll how the feel was. Um, so Old Man Winter Rally, uh, it got pushed up for me. I decided to do it on uh, February 6th. Um, because, uh, Shane, one of our team members and a group of his buddies are doing it that day. So we're all, uh, the way they modified it is you could pick your day of any of the nine days and you could pick a start time, 
so that your pod or your group of people could uh, potentially do the race course together. Um, there will be full support on the weekend days of the race. So there'll be aid stations, food, etc. Um, so February got old man winner. On a total, just Colin said something to me the morning of registration. Hey, do you want to sign up for Mid-South, which uh, was formerly known as the Land Run 100 in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, randomly got into that shit. <laughs> um, and then I have a bit of a gap yeah. um, until July. Till the firecracker. Till firecracker. And then I was very pleased to look at the calendar and see that uh, for only the second time since I've ever been paying attention, firecracker and silver rush are falling on separate weekends, which means I get to do both back to backs. Um, two Sundays, by the way, which is nice. Sil- silver rush is on a Sunday. Oh, that's cool. Um, which yeah, is awesome. Um, I mentioned that cause your schedule had it as a Saturday. Yeah. Um, and then Leadville 100 and then, uh, what is it? Big sugar, big sugar, big sugar. And then, uh, LaRuda. That's, that's some big shit. Yeah. Those are big. Those are, uh. Not necessarily, not not even saying big events because of the mileage and efforts and all, but they're they're big, they're milestone events. You know, um, like you've done Firecracker and Silver Rush, so maybe not so much the milestone, but I think Mid South and Leadville and Big Sugar and Laruda, those are four things you've never done. Yeah, I mean, well, Leadville you've done. I'm sorry, yeah. but those are four big things, three of which you've never done. Right. Those are milestone races. Well, but I also, the reason that the schedule comes off to me as feeling like a, a, a fairly daunting schedule is oftentimes a lot of the events that I just picked are like somebody might do one or two of those in a year. Right. Like, oh, I'll do Mid-South early and I'll do Leadville late. Right. Not like, not to like sit here and toot toot my own horn, but like. They're all big events, and and because I talk to so many people who have never raced, they're like, oh, I think I'll do a big event. I'll do a Firecracker 50, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So they're, I mean, each one of them carries a lot of weight in my brain. Well, it's what, it's the difference between the single event and what you've decided to do is that you're going to make the whole year, the whole year is going to be on. Like, there's, it's going to be on switch all year. Yeah, I mean, I've never... One, I've never finished the end of the year the way I'm finishing this year and just rolling straight into another year. of or you know, I mean, there, there's there's no pause. Yeah, which I've gotten more and more conversations with people that are, are new to our group, and they're talking about this, this like the off-season. And I'm like, what what well, is, is the – I don't get it. Well – You know, what is the off-season? You, like you, if you love riding so much that you do events like that take time and money and planning and – you know, uh, obviously some sort of, um, negotiation and compromises with significant others or work or <laughs> family sure, yeah. or whatever. Like at what point do you say, you know, what, done enough of that. I'm just going to go completely off and then I'll do it again later. Like that just, it seems to me, you know, you've seen those videos on YouTube of like those, like, uh, dudes in Asia hooking semis to their dicks and they pull a semi <laughs> with their dick. They, those guys don't have an off season. Dude, it's really hard to get the semi going, but once it's going, like I'm pretty sure I could pull a semi with my dick. Yeah. Just the starting point. <laughs> and then off season just puts the brakes on that semi. Well, it's that whole zero to one thing, right? Like getting from zero to one is really hard, but once you're at one, 
Yeah, it's it's good to go. Yeah. So uh, basically, what what we're saying is, guys, stop trying to pull your dicks off with a semi. Right. Well, and I think we just need to rebrand off season because it's not off season, yeah. but it's a term that I think universally is is used. Maybe less so in like I, the, I don't do anything, and maybe more in the um the mindset of I do differently. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what the term would be because off season is just pretty easy to say. Yeah. Um, other than, other than just you just just not letting that affect your mentality. Yeah. Right. Because when you say off season, you give yourself a lot more passes. Yeah. So way more cheese. You know. Okay. In the off season, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see it because it's a fucking microphone. But uh, in the off season, right. I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do indoor training, and I'm gonna do some gym training. And I've been trying to get one ride outside when the weather's nice a week, but if it doesn't happen, you know, I'll ski or whatever. Yeah. Well, then you go to your trainer or your indoor bike, and you're like, I'm just not really Fuck feeling it thing. today. Yeah. No one feel is feeling it, yeah. right? Like, there's nothing. You know, I don't care how much of a Zwift nerd you are. There's nothing terribly exciting about going to that stationary piece of go nowhere because the reason you started liking bikes is because that shit took you somewhere yep right like as a kid or as a whatever or as like a middle-aged i didn't want to buy like a yellow corvette so i bought this badass bike no matter what it was an escape yeah and so it took you somewhere and you saw shit so no a trainer or a stationary you use a trainer i use a stationary bike they're they're depressingly boring mine's like in my ours is in our guest bedroom up against the wall there's a heating vent like right next to me I just pour sweat and then I just draw for straws on the TV to get me something that's engaging. And sometimes I look down and holding 260 watts, which is far below my FTP even, is just whack lame, boring. And I'm like, dude, this is hard and I'm not having any fun. And then the very next day, this happened over the weekend, by the way, I get on my road bike and I'm like holding 300 watts and not even thinking twice about it because I'm outside seeing something and doing something. Yeah. So... My rant, my rant is <laughs> that was quite the rant. I know. Too. <laughs> but my rant is when it it's the, when it's the off season. Yeah, you can be like, uh, I don't need to do that ride today. Yeah. When it's the on season, you do the shit when you don't want to. Yeah. When it's the off season, you give yourself a pass. You give yourself a pass. You give yourself a pass. You gain ten pounds. Well, how'd that happen? Christmas cookies. No, it wasn't Christmas cookies. No one gains ten pounds eating Christmas cookies. You gain ten pounds not moving your ass and for, eating for three Christmas. months, four yeah. months, right? And eating Christmas cookies. Yeah. But it's not the cookies. Put it on cookies. Cookies yeah. didn't if do If you anything. want a cookie, have a... I'm not going to eat a cookie because there's no off-season for me. But have a cookie. <laughs> You're right. Just pedal your bike when you have to. Um, so you got a huge 21. Yeah. Yeah, big 21. Um, like super excited for it. And I know me. I know I'm going to pepper some other... Like the the shorter track races. Uh, Local stuff. The dude, Rattler series. All, yeah. Like those we'll are all do, just going to be we'll good We'll still do a couple of our races. Yep. At, you know what I mean? Hopefully... Things with the pandemic cool off. We can have some racing, and we don't have to step into that role. But I still really like doing it. Yeah, no, I know for sure we're gonna do. I can two, think of two. We're gonna have two events no matter what. Yeah, and maybe um, three. Yeah, and it, and we kind of need three because if you can have a series winner, then you have to have three because yeah. you can't have two. You can't have two. You gotta have a rubber match. So, yeah. so you can bank on no rider on hosting three events next year. Yeah. And uh, and in the the best part about those is that. They really help with our mission, which beyond us pursuing our own thing for the sake of it's why we live, 
We also get to introduce people that are new to the sport and they're much more prone to do our events where, hey, I know these two guys, it's my local shop, it's yep. my local gym, whatever it is. And we can get people to compete and be competitive with themselves and others in a safer environment. And that's what I loved the most about our races. Yeah. And you know what would be super cool this year is if we had, like, you know, it's the end of the year, so you get all the downloads of, you know, who listened to what and where and all the statistics for the for the podcast. And, you know, it'd be neat to see some people potentially plan some vacations to Colorado to come do some events. It's crazy. We got a racer out of state, and our No Ride Around Sender event is yeah. on the calendar. And it was on the calendar. Is they're like, when, when's it going to be? And I go, I mean, you can plan on the first Saturday in October, but you know, don't hold our nose to the grindstone on this yeah. one. And they they decided not to do a different event in lieu of that event, Damn. like because there was going to be an event the following week, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't do that because I'm going to come to Colorado. So I know we'll have some people rolling in. Yeah, It'll well, be that'll neat. be exciting. Yeah. Um, what's your schedule? I was I was about to be selfishly move on, like me, me, me. Now with you, um, what's your what? Remind me your schedule, because all I remember is it looked like too much. Yeah, if I were to... Because yours is just as daunting. If I were to tell somebody... So I I had a guy reach out to us that's a listener and wants uh, help with with riding this year, some coaching. And, and part of the intake form that I have for people that want coaching includes, you know, what the races are, what are your A races going to be? And then it helps me to map out what a season of training is going to look like. If I had a rider send me what I'm about to rattle off, <laughs> there would be, be like, all kinds of reasons why it can't happen. Well, there, it's like, how many A races can you have? Right. You, so, so I would tell this person, like, no, but I really need you to decide. In me, being this person, I look at my calendar and go, no, but like, they're, like all of them are A. Oh, well, what do you mean? I want to win all of them. So they're A. Yeah, but the, no, no, they're all A. Is So that's... That's how you're going to have to train me. And that's the uh, challenge I have for myself, um, which I feel confident that I can do it. And they're really not all A. So, Well, and that, I mean, there's like, um, let me get to, where's my text message thread with you? Because I need to uh, I need to look at it. I need to behold the silliness. Because um, it's really silly. Well, put it this way. I have every month accounted for. And yep. there's several, there there's several, and, and now you may, may may or may not have the updated. I have the updated one here. Uh, I just have the one starting in February. So, so. Uh, I decided that I was going to do Fat Bike Worlds, which has always been in Crested Butte to start off the year in January. Right. But then they moved it to Wyoming, and I thought it was going to be like close, like cute Wyoming, like Casper. I'm like, I'm like, I can make that happen. And then I found it was like eight-hour drive away, Wyoming. And I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm doing that. And then I found out a guy on our team, a new new person on our team wants to go out there, and he has a good chance of making a splash. Oh, yeah. So I was like, well, hell, he's going to go out there. Well, then I definitely – so now it's back. So now I'm going to drive eight hours with a fat bike to the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, to do – this is a horrible idea, but that's going to happen in January. And so that's what's going to kick it off, but that by no means is an A race. That's just to go have fun. Right. So we've got – Plus, we all also know that Ned Overend's going to win the open men category. Done. Like, like – <laughs> Why are you trying to compete? <laughs> like, why Why did you just spend all that money to come here and lose to Ned Overin, who's right. 60,000 years old at this point? So fast. Still he, so fast. You know, he was at dawn to dusk. Yeah. Uh, he didn't race the event, but he was riding there the day before. Um, I saw, I looked on Strava yeah. at all times together the day That's before. That's hilarious. But, um, yeah, so the reason my schedule sounds a little crazy is that in winning the NUE for 2020, 
I got complimentary entry into all of their events for 21. So I've been on the, I've been via email networking with the race directors who have said, oh my gosh, I'd love to have you out here. You're invited. And so that means it's complimentary. So how do you turn down complimentary race entry uh, I mean, to these races? There's a real simple way. I don't know how it is. I don't know how that works. <laughs> but they're all 100 milers. It's the NUE Epic Series. And so there's 10 of those. I'm not going to do all 10 of them. I'm doing nine of the 10. Only. And uh, so that's nine 100-mile races. Those will all be on single speed. So that, that accounts for a lot that are on this list. Um, we've got 24 hours of Old Pebble in February with our four-man no-rider-on team, which will be really fun. That's going to be a fast team. Um, that's top box team right there. Yeah. That's what we're going out for, top box team. So yeah. you got – it's going to be good. Um, but I got the, the NUEs, nine of those. Firecracker 50, which I'm going to do as a partner race with Colin, both on single speeds. Which, so I guess there's not a duo single speed category. No, there's just duo men. Just duo men. But we're making our own single speed version. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just I was like, we were talking about, I can't remember how it came up or why it came up. And uh, I was like, like, that seems like a really specific category. And Colin was like, no, 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 we're just, we're just doing single speed. Yeah, no, we're making our own category. Okay. And I know there'll be a couple, a few other teams doing the same thing. For sure. And so we'll have a, we'll have our own podium. That's what, isn't that what 2020 taught us? Just hey, make they don't your have own the shit. category that you want. Okay, I'll make it. Yeah, but it's not going to be, I don't care, I'll make it. I don't care, I'll just do it. <laughs> so that'll be fun to race with, with Colin, though, because we haven't ever had, you know, you and I have had the experience together. Yeah, we've we've quite done often. bike race, specifically done bike race adventures together. Right. And we haven't, haven't done that with Colin. Yeah. And so, um, and we're very different energies. We have very similar intensities, but very different energies. Yeah. You yeah. Know that's what I mean? a, yeah. That's, like, that's a, a super, super accurate way of putting it. Yeah. Like if we were a flavor, right? We would be the same flavor. His, you would just have to steep for like 10 to 15 yeah. minutes, and mine would be like the instant version. Yeah. It's but the, the difference between the needing a thimble full or a shovel full. <laughs> right. <laughs> still like get the yeah. essence. It's still cyanide. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, both will kill you. Yeah. Uh, so we got that together. Leadville 100, that's going um, to be my big push for a pro field. Are you doing geared? Yep, geared pro field. Okay. Yeah. What's so I know like course records are hovering in the low sixes, sub yeah, sixes. Yeah, crazy numbers. I have a time goal. Um, and the time goal is based on what I think will really stretch me. Also, I think it's possible. But I, and then lastly, I think it legitimizes me with having the designation that I have. Um, so I think anything 745 or lower is worthy of, of yeah. that's, that's all being a pro rider. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and it, it's interesting to think like, you know, to watch your progression as a, as a mountain bike racer, um, you know, to just barely missing sub nine to getting sub nine to then beating your sub nine on a single speed and then going, well, if you could go that fast on a course that has a lot of spots where having one gear is a major detriment, right? Like ton of spots. There's, big stretches of road where having the ability to to pedal into it whether it's downhill or flat like not for nothing like i'm not the be all end all leadville 100 racer but i know for a fact that on paved road descents i make up a lot of spots right because i'm not afraid to to pedal into them 
And so, you know, kind of like now having that, okay, here's what's, here's what's attainable on a, a bike that's basically purpose built to not do well on this course. It's got a shit ton of climbing and a shit ton of flats and I got one gear. Right. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm curious to see how that'll go. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I think, like I said, I think that time is lofty and it's not going to come without a lot of training. Like it's going to be on course in Leadville training. Yeah. Because what single speed did teach me is what's really possible on the climbs in terms of effort output. And so if I can exert that same effort or even a year's worth of training, more effort, but on a geared bike, that's going to pay dividends when it comes to the descent and the flats and the otherwise. So mm-hmm. man, could you imagine putting a time up like that? Like any, if your time has a seven in the front, like that's fast, it's fast. Yeah. So, um, so that's the goal for, for that. And just to see, I want to really see how I hold it up there, you know? Um, so I'm excited for that. One. Yep. And then really the big one and really what this whole year is going to be about, I think for the podcast is La Ruta. Laruda. What's the goal? I mean, this is your third. This third be- time at Laruda. So we we tease this a bit. Like, what story is left for you to tell there? <laughs> well, there's there's one story, and uh, it it kind of has a lead in, also in winning the NUE, and this isn't confirmed because of travel restrictions right. to the country right now. But um, I'll be invited to do uh, Cruz del Istmo in Panama this year on my single speed and that's on October 17th in Panama, which is pretty damn close to Costa Rica. Is that the, I guess it kind of depends on when big, big sugar is. No, it's the weekend before big sugar. Okay. So it would be go down to Panama. I'm going to race fucking globetrotter over here. I'm going to go race this race in Panama goes from one side of from an ocean to an ocean. So similar to similar idea, similar vibe, just a way skinnier country. Yeah. Okay, so it's a one-day race, coast-to-coast in Panama, and then fly back Big Sugar the following weekend in Bentonville, Arkansas. You couldn't pick two wildly different destinations. Like, <laughs> Panama, unless, Arkansas. Unless people have been to Bentonville and like understand the allure or listen to our episode when we covered it. Uh, so let me get this right. You're going to race in Panama, and then you're going to race in Arkansas. And I actually think they're both going to be just as amazing uh, for each other. But for sure. The LaRuda story is is actually a few years in the making. Um, at the finish line of Leadville, a couple of years back, I I asked uh, Roman Urbina, the founder of the of LaRuda, I asked him, I go, hey, man, why don't you have a single speed division? He says, because no, no one, we did, and people would try it, and they, and they couldn't do the race because it's not a single speed race. And for as much as you think Leadville is a course not for a single speed, take Leadville and then put it smack dab in the middle of the jungle and then cover it with like mounds of mud and then 98 degrees and then all the humidity and then river crossings. Like it is purpose built not. And then on the second day, just have somebody go up and down two volcanoes. Like it is not a single. So naturally. No part of it's built for single no. speed. So naturally, I'm going to race LaRuda this year on my single speed. Good. I like it. Well, and yeah, I'm creating we, my I own forgot, category. I forgot that we kind of did like. You you almost let me be the decider. A bit. I wanted to know your vibe, and you said a few episodes back, you're like, dude, I mean, if that's what you do, then that's what you do. And so um, that's what I'm going to do. And so yeah. I, I, we're registered, and uh, I'm registered in the elite field still, but then I shot them a message and said, hey, by the way. Just so you know. I'm doing this on a single speed, and I tagged Roman in the post, and I'm like, and Roman says there isn't even a category for this, but I don't care. It's all I'm bringing. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh you know, so when I did my registration, I did something I never do, which is I bought the mechanic service. I never do that. 
Yeah, you like, have to, yeah. I just like as a mechanic, I'm like, no, I I do my bike for I'm, better or for worse. But uh, yeah, but I bought it, man. I was like, you know what? Nah. <laughs> so take this. Take this. This is meant to be said out of kindness and warmth because it's why we're kindred spirits. But you like you grew up like broke dick New Orleans kid. Yeah. You are gonna your mind's gonna be blown when you realize the bougie ass treatment we're gonna get at Maruda. <laughs> like, of course you want the mechanics package. Because you literally come to the finish line, you throw your bike, and then some dude's job, he like he makes it perfect. And you're sitting there eating a curated food in the middle of like this. Like it is yeah. It's some like white glove shit. Yeah. No, I mean I'm, I'm I mean covered in mud and in, in, yeah. in your own piss, but like white glove. Whatever. You put white gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> Do it with white gloves. Um well, yeah, I'm uh that just, I mean, it's, it's super hard this time of year to, to stay amped. Um, but even just talking through next year gets me amped. Dude, it's so cool. I mean, I, uh, again, if I looked at my list or looked at your list, there'd be a lot of reasons to tell somebody why they're, they're maybe not possible. Um, but really again, they're just hard rides and you can train for anything, you know, yeah. and I'm super jacked. I'm super jacked for LaRuda to be the 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 thread through this whole season for us. And everything is going to kind of come back to that. Um, to be successful at LaRuda, you got to be able to ride your bike a lot. And having the calendars that we have, we're going to be riding our bikes a lot. I mean, yeah. I've got a 100-mile race once a month pretty much the whole year. Um, you know, these first two months, it won't be, they won't be quite 100 miles. But pretty much the whole year, all the way through. Um, and I'm going to race... 1400 miles this year at yeah. race pace. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. I'm excited. Yes, yeah, somebody's so cool. Um let's do the uh I did want to uh, in in light of that, right? Like I think um anybody's race schedule, you know, some people have kids, some people have more demanding jobs than we do by a long shot. I mean, right. like we're both pretty fortunate that our chosen professions definitely like tie into our passion for riding bikes and so it's easy to make time. Um Couple with the fact like we don't have kids, so that's not you know, like it's we're in a very different situation, and so um, just randomly, I was listening to I listened to a lot of podcasts, and um, this podcast Marginal Gains had popped up, um, and I'd followed it, but I never listened to it. I didn't really understand. It seemed like such a weird name for a podcast until I finally listened to it. Um, and the reason I listened to it was they were doing an episode with. Uh, is it Pete Stetna? Yeah. And the reason it caught my eyes, because I had just seen a video of him setting the FKT, the fastest known time on white rim. And so I listened to it and it clicked. I got it. I understand what the name of the podcast is all about. And it's it's a guy at the top end of the sport going through all the little quarter of a percent, half a percent, two percent things he does to be able to set an FKT. And so listening to that podcast, uh, silly things, things that you never think about, but like he had an aero helmet for a mountain bike uh, FKT, but he had the vents closed just for less drag. And it's all these little things. How much water did he carry? Um, he carried lube, chain lube in his pocket because um, you know, over the course of a hundred mile day or however long, uh, the friction of an unlubricated chain can rob three watts, four watts. It, the numbers are actually a lot bigger on the chain thing. Um, and having done that ride this year, it's a dusty some bitch. Yeah. Like your chain screams at you. Yeah. And so, you know, for him stopping 
for 30 seconds when he's on a timed event. He's literally trying to set the fastest known time on a given course. So, um, you know, stopping to lubricate his chain for 30 seconds clearly pays out more than 30 seconds worth of benefit. Um, you know, and one of the things I referenced in the show notes are like little things like ceramic bearings or fancy derailleur pulleys that save a watt here or two watts there. That doesn't translate to most people at all, right? Like, well, you know, you know, scientifically, yeah, they get the benefit also, right? But are they going to notice that benefit? Right. Like, as cool as a set of ceramic speed pulleys looks, like. Mm-hmm. And they'll spin forever. Dude, they look so cool. And if it was just like, it's the one thing I won't allow myself to buy because it's so posure-ish. Like, it looks cool as fuck. And I want that look on my mountain bike, but I just won't let myself do it. Yeah. So, so I think in the question you posed then when we were typing up show notes was, was, does that really make sense for the level that we're at? That little stuff probably doesn't. So, I don't know if that was a question. It wasn't a question. It was, it out there. it was just kind of the thought of, okay, so this, this, in this one isolated incident, and it happens, you know, all the guys who were setting Everest records this year, you know, they were doing versions of this. What rim and tire combination? I was listening to uh, Alex Wild talk about uh, trying to set, uh, there's a, in California somewhere, it's called Old La Honda, um, which is like this, it's this road segment and people have been fighting for it and it's fast. Like it's, it's gnarly and he's, he's tied for King of the mountain on it, but they went through his whole bike setup of like, okay, which bike did you ride? What tires, what pressure, what this, did you wax your chain? Did you, you know? And it's like, again, pointing into the spear, all these little half a percent and 1% add up to him having a KOM. How do we translate that into a guy like me or anybody on our team, like what off of the bike, on the bike, in the gym, nutrition, diet, um, prep, what are all these little things that any one of us can do that's a half a percent or a percent better over the course of a day or a week or a month that by the end of it, we're 10% better than we were. Yeah. So that, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's big, but, and, and to me, things that pop into my mind are little things like, uh, a good example. Uh, I've been really enjoying doing meal prep. Like I've got this whole thing. I bought the little bins that you see all like the influencers on Instagram post pictures of their meals prep for the week. been super into it. Um, and to me, that is a thing that makes me better over the course of the week. Um, the shop had another fucking break in last Friday and that if I things that like when I woke up that morning, I wasn't stressed about even, you know, I had been up all night, didn't get much sleep, was definitely behind the eight ball rushing to get to work, but my meals were handled and that allowed that day allowed me to be that much better. I still went home. I still got my workout in. I still fueled correctly all day. Right. You didn't, you didn't get to work. I don't have my food. I'm not, yes. I just ordered a burger from across right. the street. Right. Like, and then I ordered a burger. I feel like shit. I'll have a third coffee. I need a fourth cup. You know what? I'm gonna have a red bull, you know, right. like tailspin. So it was like a, it was a small thing in the grand scale. Like, Oh, good for you. You cooked food for yourself. Fucking woohoo. But when a hurdle came up, it allowed me to stay consistent. Yeah. 
Um, and maybe it made me a percentage better last week. So here's my take. Ceramic poise. You're right. Super sweet. <laughs> if they save you a watt or two watts, is it going to affect your time? Well, I mean, yeah, it does, right? Like they are faster. So if your time is going for a PR on Strava on your green mountain climb and you missed it by one second, whether you missed it by one second or missed it by 100 seconds, you still missed it, right? And so is there something that I can do to better enable me to maybe not miss it by that one second marginal gain? Well, yeah, maybe the, maybe the pulleys would. Maybe not. Probably not. But if you put them on that first ride up there, you think you're going to get that one second if you're a second there off? There is a pl- uh, you can't you cannot deny the placebo effect. The of, placebo of new shit. <laughs> the placebo effect is super real, right? Like, um, no matter what, if I get a new bike, I ride super fast on that new bike. It's got to <laughs> have been it had to have been the bike. Yeah. No, it probably wasn't the bike. Maybe the excitement surrounding it, the fact that you weren't letting all the other nuances of your crusty ass old bike bother you oh man this tire's leaking air this this thing doesn't shift right here this is annoying me i hate this brakes rubbing but when it's a new bike you don't think about any of those things um so there's the placebo effect i think ultimately the takeaway in in a way to apply that what can you do daily either in the gym or or at home with meal prep or the way you sleep the way you recover whatever there's a filter that i like to give people when we talk about nutrition And the filter is before I eat something, whatever that plate of food is, I have to answer the question, how does this make me better as an athlete? And the the answer may not always be super grand. Like it may not be a protein smoothie bowl with cacao nibs and, you know, Laird Hamilton's mushroom powder on the top, right? Like it may not be the craziest, healthiest thing. It may be a freaking burger from across the street. Right. But if I can answer the question, how does it make me better as an athlete, it at least just knows that my mind space is at a spot where I'm trying to be better in that thing I'm doing now, eating, right? When I come to the weekend and I've had a long week of training and I want to go and just have some good downtime, when I say, how can this make me better as an athlete, my downtime turns into a long hike with my dogs instead of taking the day off, packing it in and watching college football. Mm-hmm. If I can start to answer that question in every single area, you're not going to make huge strides. It's going to add up. It's going to be a lot of little ones, a right? A lot of little ones. And that's how this game is played. It, it is going to be a lot of little ones. And that's because our approach to the sport or to our own pursuits, like you said a moment ago, they have to fit in our windows of time because you're still, you know, not us, but maybe you're still a parent, um, a boss, an employee, you're still a friend, you're still a spouse, like you're still all these other things. And they all require a lot of attention. Most of these guys, like that dude doing the FKT, that's his only job. Only thing. As evidence, so the thing that blew me away is like he went, missed it, and then went back four days later Nailed and got it. it. Yeah. So guess what? His only job in between the first day and the fourth day was to rest, recuperate, eat, stretch, roll, sleep, maybe rub one out. <laughs> <laughs> like got to let the pressure off some kind of totally. way. Totally. And then go back and do it. Like his only job was being super good at that. And, and that's not to take away from what he did. No, that's awesome. Like good for no. you. He did it right. Um, but if we don't have that, you know, people say it to me in the gym all the time too. They're like, "Oh man, I want to lose you know thirty pounds." I'm like, "Well, that shit ain't gonna happen in eight weeks." Like the Biggest Loser, because a you're not eight thousand pounds. So for you, thirty pounds is not a lot, lot percentage yeah. wise, right? And so 
um, or is a lot rather. So you also can't stop your life and have a, a chef and a masseuse and a this and a that. Like we're going to fit it in. And so the best way to fit it in is to do a little bit all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I think that one of the biggest frustration points I have with people in their off season is that they don't just pedal for 15 minutes every day. Dude, that has been a huge one for me is because I have a, an indoor training program through trainer road. Sometimes I look at the the workouts and I'm just like, fuck dude, I don't want to do that one. And so years ago, E3 posted a like kind of, it was like this list of tips for working out over the winter kind of thing. Um, and I, the only one that stuck with me was the five minute rule. Do it for five minutes. And if you still don't want to do it, fine. And okay. I've, 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 I've put all of my training through that filter of the five minute rule, get up, get some nutrition, go do the thing. If you really, if you're five minutes in and you're like the hell with this. Okay, cool. Go ahead. But you're probably not going to be that. So a uh, confession, <laughs> I express the five minute rule almost every single outdoor ride in this winter season. Yeah. It is not fun to go outside when it's cold. No, it's a a pain in the ass. Yeah, you have so much gear. Figuring out what clothes are right. Did you get it right? Did you get it wrong? And all the gear makes you. uh, We had one of our riders post the other day his his Strava, and he's like, "Man, being bogged down with the winter gear, yeah, makes the legs slow. Makes the legs slow, and it really it really does." And I was up skiing this weekend and skiing with people on our team as well. And the one guy doesn't ever like to ride outside in the winter. He bitches about it. I hate riding in the winter. And I was riding a chairlift with him. I'm like. Dude, isn't it kind of funny that we're out here skiing in the winter? You'll do this. And we're doing this. It's balls cold up here. Like we're it's even colder than winter riding, and yet we don't want to winter ride. I'm like, what what's that all about? And it was kind of funny. His answer, he was like struggling. He's like, because uh it it's just colder when you ride the bike. And it really is. It because is. even if you're skiing downhill, which we were having fun with the speedometer, and we were both like, we gotta hit 45 miles an hour, and, and we did. But um, even if you're skiing downhill, at 45 miles an hour, for whatever reason, riding a road bike when it's really cold at 20 is freaking cold. It's so cold. Absolutely freezing. Uh, so every every winter ride, I went through that yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday's ride, dude, five minutes. And I looked down and I got through five minutes. I was like, all right, I'm going to see what five miles feels like. Yeah. And you hit five miles, I'm like, well, shit, it's five miles. Like, I'm already a seventh of the way there today. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going. You yeah. Know? It, it's a... Uh, so... I think the way, and and I guess the way that I set this up was less for us to specifically cite or give tips or points or or whatever, but more just to think of like, you know, like with the biking thing, if you're, if you're shooting for volume, right? Like we're all uh, endurance athletes where it's all about volume, how many miles in a week, how many hours in a week, whatever the case is, you know, I've started tacking on little bits of little bit extra cooldowns on my indoor rides. Because at the end of a seven-day you know, week, I've now put in an extra 45 minutes. Dude, it's right? why I count my commutes to work. Right. Commute to work, two and back, six miles each time. Do that five days a week, boom. Just got an easy extra 30 miles this yeah. week. Go to bed 20 minutes earlier. Well, end of the week, you got two extra hours of sleep. It's huge, huge dividends. And so on the flip side, anyone who falls out of shape or just – feels like they've hit a plateau and can't quite get over the hump. Remember, as much as these little things that are good for you add up, 
the little things that are bad for you oh. add up. And that's, it's the BLT. A lot of nutrition coaches will, will say it's the BLT effect, right? Which is, well, how did I gain an extra five, 10 pounds, whatever, over this? Hot? You didn't gain it because you had that one cake, right? You BLT bites, licks, and tastes. It's how you got there. Like it was little stuff yeah. consistently every day that added up to, oh man, like I talked to guys that, that want to cut out and one of the easiest things to cut out is alcohol, right? Like it's a zero ad for sure when it comes yeah. nutritionally, right? Yeah. And performance wise. Um, and like, well, I, just, I only have like a beer a night. Hey, instead of having a beer a night, have like 13 beers on one night. Like just get shit bombed college style <laughs> one night. Yeah. But then the rest of the week, no beers. Yeah. Right. And and that's one. That's a so it's bite licks and taste that get us down the bad path. Yeah. And it's just the awareness of how does it make me a better athlete on almost all of your decisions. That doesn't mean that you're so strict you don't get to enjoy life. But just make every decision go through that filter. And if it's five minutes or fifteen minutes, if it's one less bite here or one added bit of spinach there, like that shit all adds up. And that is our like one watt or two watt. Yep. Behaviorally. And then if you do want to get the fancy pulleys, like get the pulleys, but like know that these other things are going to carry more weight, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, at the level, and again, at the level where, remember the people that are getting the benefits that are noticeable from those super fancy deals, like crazy, crazy things, they've already done all this other stuff. Yeah. Like they're already as optimized, finely tuned of a machine as there is. What other thing can they get? And if you want, for those of you listening, if you want to see that in action on your own, I recommend the book, um, The Rise of Superman. Is that the book? Get this exact title. Um, um, and I ask you to look at that because that's that starts to take a look at, at what those little things do at the upper, upper uh, apex of sports. Right. Is that the book that just... Oh, I got the title wrong. I just pulled it up. Sorry. Perfection point. It's the one rise where- of Superman's about uh, flow state perfection point. So yeah, it takes like 10, 10 things. And we talked about it before. Like what's the furthest someone's ever going to hit yeah. a baseball. Yep. And it takes the perfect athlete and then optimizes environment. And mm-hmm. it says, what else will tech do? Yeah. So these, these like marginal gain things, they've already taken the very best of the best of the best. Yeah. Those people did the work that we're talking about. So do that work now. And then those things can maybe pay off. Hell yeah. Um, I think that's probably it. Dude, I just have to point out real quick, this coffee that I've been drinking has been hitting so perfect. You just spot on right now? Huh? You lasered in? Like, it's just, every sip has been, like, the first sip and the 10th sip have been just stellar. Man, I'm <laughs> kind of jealous. <laughs> Mind you guys, for those of you listening, that was the coffee that he brought just for himself. Um, so I, already, point I offered to bring coffee. I understand. So Justin says, all right. I'm like, Hey, I got some, some gift cards. You want a coffee? Nah, dude, I'll make one at home. Then I'm like, well, why would I, even if it is a gift card, I have this fancy ass Nespresso machine. Why wouldn't I make one too? You started it. <laughs> Thanks for listening guys. Thanks guys. Go,